0: Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at Damasimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I got to talk to Mr. Chris Beresford-Hill. He is the chief creative officer at TBWA Shiat Day, New York. And we talked about everything from uh, getting fired from every job he had before advertising to uh, giving up a master's degree at a, at a school in London to go into advertising to his uh, working with such great people as Jamie Barrett, David Lubars, Greg Hahn, Jerry Graff. He's, he's worked for all the greats and he is now uh, running Shiat New York. And he's got a lot of great people over there and it's a really good, really good interview about about process, I think. I think what we're what we're gonna learn here is how to do things and, and the importance of exercise and all those all those things that you don't think of when you think of a, a creative person. So a really good episode. Can't wait for you to listen. But first, as always, the A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising Age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy an ad class is only as relevant as the professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz, in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com, and for the latest news, follow adhousenyc on Facebook. And now, my conversation with Chris Beresford Hill.
1: Um you know what I mean? Like I listen to some people talk about advertising. Yeah. And I'm like, Holy crap, this is really exciting. Yeah. Like you really in that you, you know, know what you're doing. But I like you know, I think yeah. I, I have some instincts and I think I can I, I think I can tell people some things about it, but I definitely can't like um Some people, I hear them just talk about the industry, and I'm like, holy crap, I never, and I do never. We just want to hear about you. Yeah, yeah, We just
0: want to hear about you and who you
1: are and where you came from and sort
0: of how you got into this crazy thing.
1: All right. And I can tell, I mean, I'm happy to, I'm definitely enjoying talking about this job and the new job and the challenges and things. Because I don't even know if my, how I got into it is, I mean, I'll tell it. I don't know how exciting it is. Yeah. But I think um, it's always interesting, but I think there's something very interesting about it. I, I think being a CCO is actually quite uh, maybe you can attest to it's it's actually not that hard. Right. Like it's, that's it, part of the hardness
0: of it is that you kind of are like, I'm not doing anything, quote unquote. Uh, yeah. I'm just kind of inspiring it's also, people and getting but, things out of their way. But
1: and, it's also just really simple, like a blank piece of paper is really like everyone I talk to has already been thinking about something for a week. Right. So number one, yeah, yeah, I am yeah. ultimate. I'm going to be able to help there, you know, Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I'm not starting from zero. Right. And then there's also, it's just like, honestly, it's like just a lot of like rational process stuff and just being like, a, like just the creative voice in the business, which mm-hmm. is, I don't know, it's not too tricky because I think once you no. have spent 10 plus years doing it, I think you ultimately know what direction is towards, I don't know, we yeah, can, yeah. we'll talk about
0: and it. And it feels like uh, you are, it's it sort of feels fun to me like you're you're sort of like you get to uh you're not in the beatles but you get to be hanging out with the beatles and telling them which
1: (laughs) i would love i would would love uh, i would love to i feel like songs to do you know i'm pretty i'm like very uh i'm most animated talking about this because i I, because i'm psyched about it and i'm excited about the fear of failure and i'm excited about all the things i don't know and i'm excited about all the people that i feel like are relying on me to not give them a shitty career and stuff, (laughs) but I like, but I'm, you know, like I'm way more, if you saw me like a year ago, I was a little more like, yeah, it's okay. You know, Yeah. just trying to push it along. Well, you're hiring
0: great people. That's the difference is like you're hiring great people. Are we ready, Matt? We're rolling. Okay. All right.
1: Uh, Hello, Chris Burrisford Hill. Thanks for saying my name right. The man uh, with three names. That's right. Um, I am uh, I am uh I can't stand my last name because it's I think it reads and it looks really formal and it's really not who I am. What is what is the uh where does that come from? Why why a, why a hyphenated name? It comes from on my my father's side he was um he was raised by some distant relatives and he had their name and then later on he discovered his uh his father's surname who he would oh, never wow. met, and so he connected them kind of Which one is which? So Beresford is is the father's side and then Hill is is the Irish family side.
0: That's awesome. So, yeah. so he
1: he was raised by uh the Hills. He was raised by some 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 aunts and uncles, the Hills, and yeah. then later later he discovered Found out that something or other Beresford who yeah. uh who didn't stick around, but uh yeah. But we all have the name now. We have that That's long awesome. ass name. So. Burrisford Hill. Yeah. Um, what, uh, where did you
0: grow up? I grew up in White Plains, New York. Yeah, I think you're the second one we've had on the show from White Plains, New York. Really? I don't remember who it is, but it sounds familiar. That's on Long Island.
1: No, no, Westchester. Westchester, like the, sorry. It's the, the kind of the, the dumpy part of Westchester. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you live in like the nice parts like Rye or Scarsdale, uh-huh. like White Plains is like where you go buy your groceries. Right. Or like, you know, where the Fun Ruckers is. Yeah, yeah. I so, grew up
0: in Union, New Jersey, so that's
1: basically the White Plains of, of New Jersey. I think New Jersey is the White Plains. Anyway. Yes, New uh, Jersey sorry. is
0: the White Plains of New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and what were you doing uh, growing up uh, there? Were you
1: were you uh, always an artistic kid or? Maybe. Not, uh I think I think so I think i I you know I drew and I was pretty imaginative, but not I wasn't that good at drawing right and uh I didn't have like a great outlet. I think I was too shy to like get into theater or really like throw myself into the creative opportunities when I was uh-huh. young, so I was probably creative privately
0: right and know? so you were the did you have brothers and sisters?
1: I have a younger brother that's way i have a a younger brother that's ten years younger than me,
0: okay, so you didn't really have like peers I, in your family. I
1: was probably you know I I probably I probably was not like I think I probably became a creative kid because I probably spent a lot of time alone. Yeah. You know, or I spent a lot of time with adults in trying to keep up with them and right. understand what they were talking about because I went to a school that was like maybe 30 minutes away. Uh and oh, wow. of course when you're, you know, in 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, you you can't take a bus to your friend's house in another town. Yeah. So I was kind of just like a little alien in my neighborhood. Yeah. So, so you you went to his private school.
0: It yep. was outside of the outside yep. of the town, and yeah, that kind of makes you you're sort of a little
1: bit lonelier that way. Oh, uh, super, super lonely. And like this was like a I mean it was a great school, but it was very like every kid in the school that had a brother and a younger sister, and they were all cross friends. Right. And the parents were friends, and that you know they're like would, you know, drop them off in the Range Rovers and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And my, you know, my grandma would, would pick me up in her Pontiac Grand Am. Yeah. And we'd go home to White Plains and, you know, I, uh, when I was growing up, my grandma was, I love my grandma and my grandma was absolutely my best friend.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So you, she you hung were, out
1: cause she was like my, she my was the one who watched you. Yeah. She yeah, watched yeah. me and she hung out with me and taught me to drive. Yeah. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And
0: you, did you watch her soap operas? I, my grandmother did the same, and I, talk, I ended talk up radio. being, oh, talk radio. A lot of talk radio. So what did she listen to? Like She listened uh, to
1: Bob Grant, who I I think now in retrospect was probably pretty conservative but i think before being super conservative was as gross it is, as it is today yeah it was like maybe it was more middle it was, middle conservative right today it was, would be like oh he's just a guy saying
0: what's normal what's what's supposed to be
1: and, yeah cuz she was that way but then i mean now i'm I, later she was pretty disgusted by trump so she's not you know yeah 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 just so everyone understands my <laughs> grandma <laughs> don't a, write letters to chris burr or his grandmother yeah my grandma was an amazing woman so <laughs> yeah. don't leave anything on her yeah. grave site
0: yeah or he'll kill you yeah um, so uh what made you sort of uh get into advertising did you
1: go to school for what did you major in in college where did you go I, may, I went to boston college and i majored in english cuz i thought i don't know i don't know what i thought I th- you want to be a writer not really i i uh you liked I mean, reading i, I think <laughs> not really i uh i think i you was spoke um, english yeah i spoke english i was yeah. native to the language and it was just um it just—you know what it was? I wasn't—it didn't feel vocational, so I wasn't—it wasn't—I didn't have to feel like I was making a really strong choice by doing that. Yeah. Um, but I think early on, I I fixated on advertising, and I don't know if it was—I didn't have, like, an—it wasn't, like, just watching an old Nick and Night rerun or right. something. I, like, I—I I think I just liked ads. I think I was a sucker for—you know, I wanted—I sucked at basketball, but I wanted <laughs> the Air Jordans because of the, advertising. the made, tremendous advertising. So right. I think I was always a— um, you know it worked on me mm-hmm. um and i think uh it just seemed like something really fun to do and i'm i i, I get fixated on stuff so i think i yeah. fixated on how can someone with no connections possibly work in as exciting an industry and that was enough of a challenge so that's kind of that was yeah. that was my my kind of stimulus into it and
0: when did that happen were you still in college when you sort of uh started to be like oh that could be a
1: thing i do well, I went to. Um, uh, so I was in. I was in college, and I was. I was like. Uh, I, I wanted to get an internship, and I knew a girl whose father worked at at YNR. And I was like, uh, I yeah. I was at her house once, and I asked her dad. I was like, Can I get an internship? And he's like, Oh no, no, you need like a portfolio and you need to be like a senior in college and is very competitive. And, um, and I was really like insulted by that, which also helped down
0: the gauntlet, which
1: helps. I mean, I, maybe, maybe that was like a key moment for me too. someone kind of telling me I probably couldn't or, uh, not, not to don't knock on that door was, was probably pretty also enticing. Yeah. So, um, so my father knew someone at, um, this is going to be a little bit of a detour uh, at the big apple circus. And he said, I can get you a marketing internship at the big apple circus. And I thought, well, that sounds good. Yeah. And so I spent, a does whole, sound good, I sent, actually. uh, you know, I spent a whole summer, uh, at a small office outside Penn station doing data. Basically they asked me to, um, for them, marketing was a uh, very direct. It was me taking the ledger of people who wrote their address, yeah. uh, when they went to the circus yep. and putting it into a database. And, um, uh, I don't think I didn't think anyone could be fired from an unpaid internship, but I actually got fired. <laughs> oh my god! Because after two you weeks, you got thrown out of the circus. Someone, so I was yeah. There we go. I had never thought of it that way, but I was <laughs> tossed out of the circus because. Um, and this was before uh, high speed internet or really any internet to speak of. It was yeah. like may, maybe AOL was a the thing then, but I. Um, but I was just on this computer, sitting in this cubicle, and they said to me at the end of a the week, they said, "Yesterday we checked your progress." And you inputted one address, and I don't for the life of me, I don't know what I did with the other seven hours and fifty nine minutes. But yeah. I, just, I couldn't do that; that was too yeah. painful for me. So I think I just sat there. <laughs> you just didn't. I think do I, it. I don't know what I did because I didn't have a phone to check. I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> and I probably had my head just. Pre- anyway, so I got yeah. fired from my unpaid internship, uh. <laughs> and then um, and then like.
0: Of, See, there's some kid who just got fired from his unpaid internship, and now he feels better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everything's going to be okay. no, no.
1: I got. Um, I think until advertising, I was fired from every job I had. I was fired as a tennis instructor for hitting an obnoxious kid with a tennis ball. <laughs> I was fired as a file clerk for, at an X-ray. Um, I worked as a file clerk at the White Plains Hospital, and I opened the door while they were developing a number of X-rays. <laughs> And I exposed them, and so they had to uh, bring patients back. and i got I was fired from everything. Um, and then, um I heard about this cool ad agency in the city called Mad Dogs and Englishmen. I know, oh, yeah, you know that one. I think we all that's like a fan favorite. yeah, really funny writing. um, really cool. and I um, how did they, you hear about it? I think i I think I somehow got my hands on like a one show annual or something because okay. again, before Google, yeah. I don't know. I think I found a one-show annual and they had all this great like B2B economist stuff and mm-hmm. just this really irreverent, um really irreverent stuff for the Village Voice. You remember that stuff, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The Village Voice coupon ads. Yeah. They it's said a really long copy. Uh, they
0: said, no. Uh, I, I don't do want, want your to combi, yeah, exactly. you know,
1: Pinko, uh yeah. yeah. And it was uh it was a big hit, right? I mean yep. it it worked. So I called him, I, I found you know, I did the old directory thing and I called and I asked if I could be an intern. And, um, they sent me an intern test. They had oh an intern God. test. They said it was like a little blank page, and it said, "Do an ad." They showed an example of like a really funny ad they did for the a s p c a right and it was something about spaying and neutering your pets and um and they said, just write just write one ad for us, and then we'll select you for the end so i did I don't know how competitive it was or whatever. Um, uh, and I remember the, I remember the line I wrote cause my mom remembers it and it's like really embarrassing if she ever brings, like I, yeah. you know, I would choose to forget it, but yeah. she reminded but, me of it a couple yeah. years ago and it was, um, the last thing the world needs is another bastard son of a bitch. Oh my God. And, that's uh, amazing. So I got what my, a great line. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So, but so I got my unpaid internship there and that was, that was like my foot in the door. And I spent like a whole summer working on, um would wind up netting the agency, like three print ads for gummy bears, but it was like the most exciting time in my life. And I would, you know, like I lived again, sorry to pr- weave grandma in. I stayed yeah. with my grandma yeah. in her We're, little apartment. And she in, lives where? She lived outside. She lived in, um, Hartsdale. So okay. like short commuter train in. Yeah. So I live with my grandma. That's <laughs> that summer. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a real grandma's boy. And I didn't intend to talk about, <laughs> talk about Omi. like, <laughs> she sounds so awesome. She is very cool. And, um, she uh so anyways, so I live with her and I went to work every day and I just, you know, had a million bad ideas for gummy bears and we were right. showing creative directors these ideas and they were saying they sucked, but it didn't really bother me. Yeah. And um, it was just great. It was <laughs> so, so when, fun. I was just like, was, I just realized this was a thing and I could, like, I yeah. had my foot in the door and I was, I was, I think after that I was like, I'm never going to not do this. Right. You know, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. How did you, like, when you got that, uh, the
0: test for the internship, and you had to write it an ad. Did that just come to you easily, or uh, I think so? Was it like you wrote a bunch of lines, or how? how... I don't remember. You were just, you I, just don't put I don't it know. Down. I don't know. a really good. I mean, for a first time for, like uh, for intern, nineteen year old. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. And who hired you? Like who? Who? Um, I, I'm sure you had to interview as well, right? You had to go in and, nope. and talk to. No, you. I got. Oh, the, they just I the hired you. Showed up. sight unseen. Yeah. You could have been like an ogre or a dog. What's to say I'm not? What's to say I wasn't?
1: Maybe you are. Um, You know, and your your listeners can make their own opinions on what I look like. Yeah. But um, no, I'd showed up and we worked with all the different creative directors there and it was great. I mean, you know, it was, I mean, now I look at it and I was like, I really did spend like eight weeks um, just drawing different, things with gummy bears in them, but at the time it was magical <laughs> and it was probably, probably that amount of focus on one small task is probably exactly what, you know, cause they didn't like go to that. any ad school or anything yeah. like that. So that was a pretty, like a pretty good education. What, who were the creative directors? Um, Dave Cook was there and, um, and Michael Reich was there. Okay. Yeah. And what were they like? What was the, what
0: was your impression of, uh, your, the first ad agency that you, uh, walked into?
1: Um, I don't know. I think they I think they probably had more intern power than they like they had I think they had more interns working for them than they wanted to have. I think they would have oh, rather right. had. So so yeah. I think uh, I think they were not, like, super, uh, like, warm and fuzzy towards us. Yeah. Um, but it didn't matter. I had similar I didn't a similar, know, uh, thing I didn't know any better. You. I mean, they weren't nice to me when I opened the door at the White Plains uh, yeah. the Hospital Radiology Center. They were also, they also shouted at me <laughs> for doing that. So, like, I wasn't... Um, <laughs> you were used to being shouted at. You know, I didn't, it's funny, I didn't even, it wasn't until I got to, like, Goodby Silverstein that I actually experienced really nice folks in advertising. Oh, interesting. My first couple jobs were, like, pretty, you know, pretty People rough. People
0: were mean to you because you, uh, you were an intern.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think and I think there was like, but I think it was interesting when when I got to Goodby, I think they were nice to interns. They they like had a whole. Oh yeah. I think every agency up until that point was all about itself and being really cool. Right. And I think Goodby had a philosophy about people about their people. Right. And I was like, wow, if I had my first job at Goodby, I really wouldn't have been able to handle those other jobs. Like I kind of yeah. Like thank God I had my like mean jobs first because I just yeah. didn't know any better. And then when I yeah. got to Goodby, I was like, oh my goodness, like. Jamie Barrett spent an hour with me on a radio spot, and he uh, and he wasn't mad that it wasn't good when he first saw it. You know, yeah, holy moly, he's a really nice guy, huh?
0: Jamie Barrett, uh, I just met him for the first time a week ago Mm -hmm. uh, at the small uh, agency conference in L.A. Uh, What a great, what a
1: great guy! He was phenomenal. He um, he made a lot of time for me, and and I I think I returned the favor because I worked really tired. Like, you know, if I had every brief I had there, I think I was, I worked like 18 hours a day. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I was like, I I went, you know, I went hard and he appreciated that. And he right. was very like, and he, when he, when he found a good idea, he would, he'd keep you in the room with him and he'd shape it with you. And like you could kind of, you know, I followed his process. It was right. actually, it was actually a really great, I was at Goodby from like 2004, Five to two thousand and eight, or two thousand six to two thousand eight, in San Francisco. In San Francisco, but it was the best time because it was um, Jeff was a creative director, Rich was a creative director, Jamie was a creative director, and Steve Simpson was a creative director. Hmm. And those were the four creative directors of Goodby, and they all That's sat it. in four corners of the building, and you were always going to be. And, and at that time, as a uh, nobody, mid level copywriter, I was presenting work to those guys all the time. Yeah, and it was awesome. You know? And you worked for all of them. You worked it for all was, of them. It, it was wasn't a like Gen Pop. There was a thing. group. Yeah. No, no groups. Yeah. But it was like you know, and they were all really different. You know. Yeah. What was um, the difference? What, what did What did you? Well, I think Jamie was. Jamie was. His work was really unexpected. I mean, Jamie is always. I think Jamie Barrett, and then maybe later in my career, kind of experiencing Greg Hahn, mm-hmm. are two creatives that I. The thing I most admire is they have the craziest range. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, Jamie could do, like, Fox Sports and then, like, an eBay ad that makes you cry. Yeah. And Greg's the same way, you know? Yeah. Because he yeah. was running FedEx for a while and doing right. 10 gags a year. Right. And then Voyeur that makes the hairs on your neck stand up. And yeah. then the next thing is, you know, a cool visual thing. Right. So I got so from, from Jamie. His his superpower was range. And that's yeah. why I was, like, you know, I was obsessed with learning as much about uh, not, like, how he how he writes a sentence, but, you know, how he how he chooses what weapon to use. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff was really kind of would send you, like, these esoteric emails, and, like, instead of just saying do more, it would be, like, really coded and really... He was really, like, it was fun for a writer. Yeah. And Rich was very, like, in... Like, you just went into a room with Rich and you, like, walked out knowing exactly what you were going to do. Right. If Jeff was kind of, like, coded and mysterious, and that was, in its own way, inspiring because I was trying to figure out what he was saying to what me. Does he or mean? What yeah, what does he mean by that? And how yeah. do I so he pushed my mind to interesting places because and I think he probably did that on purpose or mm-hmm. he's he's probably that smart. And then and then Rich was like the opposite. Rich was just like he liked it or he didn't. And if he didn't tell me why you like it and you just walked out knowing exactly what to do. And then Steve was just smooth as can be as a writer and just like perfect crafting of a sentence like, you know. Everything you, you know from him, I just learned how to really be Steve smart was, about it all. Uh, Steve he was
0: HP. Steve,
1: what was his last name? Steve Simpson.
0: Steve Simpson. Right, yeah, right, right. I think he's at Ogilvy now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so went but do you want to talk about the
1: the agencies you were at before Goodby, or should we should we? It move was quick. On to... It was quick. I was at um. So I was at Mad Dogs for that summer. Yeah. Then I went, graduated college, and my father's an educator. My father's a teacher, and he uh-huh. said, like, you can you can go to school. If you want to get a master's degree, I'll, I will like pay for that. Oh, wow. So I was like, wow. But I, I mean, I hated school. Right. So I got into, I don't know why because my grades weren't good, but I got into some cultural and creative industries MA at uh, London School of Economics. Don't ask me how or why that happened. In London. In London. And I did not want to move to London and I did not want to go to school. And <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I have like three months before September Mm-hmm. So that was, the pressure was on. I was like, I need to be in advertising in three months. Yeah. So that was like, that's, so that's really why and how it happened. So I, I found at this point, I think Google had just started to exist. So I Googled all the ad agencies in Boston and, um, and I went into this cool little one called Modernista, which mm-hmm. some listeners will know, others definitely won't because it was, it came and went. It was, yeah. um, but it was like a super hot shop in the Northeast for a few years. Yeah. And when I went there, there was about 20 people there, um, and I just I just asked if I could come in and, you know, work for free and, and just, like, I just had this internship and I wanted another one. And they were very informal and very new there. And I think they just, just me showing up, I think they just didn't know. they you didn't just a, literally showed up yeah, I and just showed you up. like, I, I want to work for you guys. I, yeah, I just said I'd like to come in. And I think they didn't have an internship program, but they just didn't have a good way of saying no either. Right. So I just started going to work and I was like, if I can just... You know, so I started writing, you know, like automotive brochures and regional uh, regional General Motors headlines. And I just, you know, worked really, really hard and did everything I could to make myself, yeah. you know, somewhat not indispensable, but useful and hireable. And right. we got a project for Budweiser Beer. And because the agency was so small and the department was so small, a- everyone could work on it. Like mm-hmm. anyone. I mean, if you're an account person, you could put scripts in. It was like that kind of. One for all. Yeah. And I ended up um, writing a couple scripts that sold. So it was like... Uh, oh, wow. G- like, good fate, you know? Like, they yeah. kind of, like, they had to hire me for next to nothing. Or they didn't have to, but that was like, you know, it was like a good, all yeah. right, come in. And um, did you get to shoot them? Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, I was invited, like, one on my first shoot when I was 21, and wow. it was amazing. And what were the ads? They never aired. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Um, nothing happened. You know, I think Budweiser used to. They do that yeah. when they were like family run. I think like August Bush the Third would, you know, approve thirty spots from five yeah. agencies. Shoot them. Right. You had one Bud. Everyone had. To, if your spot had a robot in it, you had uh, X dollars. And if your spot had uh, just it was just a picture of a linoleum tile, it had X, the same amount of dollars. Oh wow! They just had like here's what a here's what a commercial we here's do what you, we give you commercial what that was. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say 250,000. Okay, which is pretty good. I mean, actually, yeah. Actually, I think maybe 10 years ago that would have been lousy, and now that today, that's great.
0: Yeah, so actually, it's, yeah,
1: yeah. So 250, right. 250 is good. So we, I think we made like five or four, and um, uh, and I was really fortunate. Like they let me participate, and yeah. um, and uh, none of them, uh, yeah, none of them made it. None wow. of them made it through the family test at the end. It was just like, yeah, they don't want to do that one. Yeah, they were like, nah, they picked someone from DDB. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think everyone at the agency was heartbroken, but I was so happy I had these QuickTime files and I was like, I have a career, you yeah. know, so I was <laughs> like, I wasn't that bummed like baby steps for me. I was just happy I yeah. had, had something. Yeah. You got to you know? sit in an
0: edit bay. You got to shoot. Yeah. You got to, do you remember who the director was on the yeah, first?
1: Yeah. It's like a guy that's not around so much he's anymore. He's not around. Chris Robinson. who's like a music video guy. Uh-huh. Maybe he's still around.
0: Chris Robinson. Yeah. That first thing And you got to go out to L.A. and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, experience. I was very much
1: treated like a junior. You know, right. I was very just following I was along. there and, you know, I could I could observe some people make decisions. And I was occasionally asked input. And, you know. Yeah. So. But what did you what when you went on that shoot? And this might be interesting to to
0: young people that are thinking about like, what were your, I remember my first shoot, I was like literally like physically ill the night before. (laughs) Like I was just so nervous. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know. Was that, what was the, were you, are you just the kind of person who's
1: just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to see what happens. I think across the board, um, I tend to be, I think I have all the anxieties of a typical creative person, but I think I'm constantly, Scanning and running all the ways I can ruin everything. Mm -hmm. By the time I do anything, I'm pretty fearless, right? Because I'm I'm I pre-paranoid about everything (laughs) to the point that I don't give give a fuck anymore. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so I showed up and I it was pure joy. I was like, I um, I rented a car and I like drove up La Cienega to like I'd never been to like Hollywood before. Right. You know. Yeah. I remember
0: wanting to stay in Hollywood. Yeah, we really wanted to uh, stay at the Mondrian. Like
1: we stayed at the Mondrian. Yeah. And you know and like. I got checked in, and I was like, this is amazing. This is it. You know, my work paid for this hotel room. and yeah. all white hotel room. It's super—I'd never been anywhere, yeah. you, know, you know, quote, unquote, cool before. And then, like, um, my phone rings, and it was, like, my bosses, and they're like, get down here. We're at the bar. And I was like, but it's 11 o'clock, and tomorrow's yeah. a big day. And yeah, we got to work. Like, I was like, oh, I learned another valuable lesson, which is when you're on the road, you have tons of fun. Yeah. And so I went down, and I was like, you know, when we, like— hung out and, yeah. you know, had drinks and stayed yeah. up till two in the morning. And then, you know, you wake <laughs> up at 5 a.m. to be in the lobby at, you know, 545 the next day. And yeah. I probably did that, you know, for the next like 12 years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's you know? amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You can get hooked on
1: it. That's uh, yeah. the shoot life. I couldn't do it now. I go, I hate to, it now. I go to bed by 10 o'clock. Yeah.
0: I'm like, no, nope, so. I'll be in my room. I'm good. Yep. Um, what uh, so
1: when you how did you get the goodby job? Whew, how did I get the Goodby job? I don't know, because I don't know if my work was really... I'm surprised I got the Goodby job. Okay. Um, You know, I think it was... I think I, I worked with... Um, it's like not an interesting answer, but I have the technical answer, which is I had done a couple radio campaigns with a freelance producer named Sherry Levy who thought I exhibited uh, some creative talent, or at least in her, she's a vet. She, yeah. Um. She thought I was good, and Mike McGuire, the director, mm-hmm. left directing for a couple of years to go to Goodby as a creative director. I remember of he did that. Dip yeah. his toe back in, and she was friends with Mike, and she said, "Mike, I met this kid, and he's really, you know, hardworking and ambitious, and you should, you know." And so we emailed a few times, and you know, he's an awesome guy, and so he got me in. He brought me in front of uh, he brought my work in front of Jeff Rich, and they said, "Sure." And I flew out and interviewed, and um. And I wasn't going to take the job because I just met my, I met my wife, like my now wife, maybe like six months before that. Yeah. And um, she lived in New York and I, w- I, was, I wanted to move to New York. I mm-hmm. did, did not want to move to San Francisco. Right. Uh, I wanted to move to New York. And she said, she's like a lover of, she works in the industry too. She's on the business development side, but she uh-huh. um, was like, is a fan of creative. Yeah. And she said, uh, if you don't go to Goodby, I'm going to dump you. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. What a great Yeah, so I was like, okay, all right, what a good, I was like, you know, so I moved out there, and I was like, I didn't know anyone, yeah. and uh, but that was fine, because I just worked. I mean, I really went there, and I was like, I want, I'm here, I, you know, I, I realized pretty quickly that it was very special to have yeah. a meeting with Jeff Goodby, like a week after you start to present work, so I did not, yeah. I never wanted to disappoint, so I just worked, and then we, you know, we discovered we really missed each other, and so she eventually moved out, you know, and uh, and so that's. That's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, now, but I didn't want I didn't want to move. It shows yeah. that like
0: the Sherry Levy story, I know her and uh like anybody can be the key, right? So sure. it's it's I I think there's a a really good lesson there in be nice to everybody. Yeah. Um make sure that you aren't, you know, don't think of somebody as just a producer or just an editor or just really try to learn from all of them and and yeah. uh, you it could pay off. Yeah. Uh, who
1: was your first partner at uh, Goodby? I floated. I floated. There's a guy named Nick Sparr that I worked with a lot. That when we moved, uh, so I was at Goodby for a few years, and then came to New York to work with Jerry Graf at Saatchi and Saatchi during uh-huh. the Saatchi experiment. Yeah, and um, and so Nick and I came over as a team. But really, when I was at Goodby, it was like fun, just smattering. You know, you'd right. work with, uh, you know, you'd get paired with someone and. Uh, what's a good partner? What's a bad partner? What's the, what's the thing Um, there? How do you, how do you be a good partner? I don't know. Like, well, you know, that is a question. I don't think I've ever answered it. And I don't think I know the answer. Um, I know that I've had a lot of partnerships that have bore all kinds of different fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, my longest term partnership was with my, uh, my partner. Now my close friend, Dan Lucy, when we were he, I met him when I worked at Saatchi, mm-hmm. and he was paired up full time with with uh, someone else. But we just we were just good friends, and we would occasionally, like my partner and him and his partner, we would work the four of us on something. And I just yeah. he was just really, like, he's probably the first person I, I worked with where I really saw his thinking, and I saw the kind of ideas he brought to the table, yeah. and I was like supremely impressed and just thought he was just way more creative than I was, so I was like, I kind of was like, okay, that's, I would love to work with him. So when I was at BBDO for a while, um, you know, I worked with different people for periods of time. I worked with James Clooney a while, which, uh-huh. you know, yeah. uh, I know you guys I worked was, together. We were partners too. As well. um, but I found myself at one point without a partner, and I'd started creative directing some stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Lou kind of like, asked that magic question, like, you should, do you want a full-time partner? So I just uh, Dan was my first call, and um and my instincts were right because we just we worked together incredibly well, you know. you guys did a lot of FedEx stuff there. We too, did a lot right? of FedEx, we did oof, like six years of foot locker together, yeah Guinness uh Guinness with Dan myself and uh, our friend Tom Kramer, who you also know yeah um but uh but but pretty much that last like the last six years of BBD was just me and Dan yeah um.
0: You stayed there a long time. Yeah.
1: Are you a stayer? Do you, do you like to like stay at places or yeah. is it just like, as long as it's, it's no, BDL fun? No, BBO is just such a great place. Yeah. And there was just, you know, like, I think any, I, and I see this now in my current position, any creative, um, is happy when they're making things. Mm-hmm. And then when they're not making things, then, uh, right. I don't like my partner. I don't like my salary. I don't right. like my desk. Um, <laughs> If, and the thing was, the whole time I was at BBDO, we were always making stuff. That's interesting. So I yeah. just, at one point, I kind of just lifted my head up. And I just, one day, I just was like, what's next for me? Wait, I I've got been to, here six know? years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm 67 years old now. Yeah. What am I going to do with myself? Yeah. Um, so that was unintentional. But I don't have, uh, I have no philosophy on partner or length of stay. I will say, though, Dan is probably like, the, my you know like my creative soulmate you know like Dan I think, Lucy. yeah he and i i believe like, he teaches at that house he does yeah you should take his class if so, you're listening so uh, yeah if you're listening he uh, will, you i remember when he took for dan class. lucy's class dan is like um uh, the thing i think the re- reason our partnership was good too is we have a similar sensibility but we are entirely different mm-hmm. um so like the for example i like i can get zapped very easily like i'm a sprinter like i can be in a meeting and I can be all in and I can be coming up with ideas and then I and then I like almost need like like a kind of a regeneration period yeah and then I'll do it again and then I, and Dan is like if he's at work he's like he would we would work all day we'd have a million creative reviews and then he would go teach a three hour class in yeah. which he would basically creative direct the juniorist people of all mm-hmm. four, three hours after working with me intensely for eight hours. Yeah. And, and then he'd show up the next day and his hair would be properly combed and yeah. his eyes would be wide. Like he's, he's, he's definitely a beast yeah, and he's like that. And I'm kind of more like streaky, you right. know? and that you're, was you're a good, a, that yeah. was a good kind of mix. So I could, you know, I could get hot a couple of times during the day, but he was always, you know, he's kind of always, he just never fatigued. Yeah. Always on. Yeah. And where's he now? He's still at BBDO, so still he's at BBDO. So now he has our whole creative group, and I think some other accounts too. That's great. Yeah. Um, what uh, What do you What is your What
0: is your your creative uh, process like? What, when you get a brief, what do you What do you what, Or when you were doing more yourself, making things yourself,
1: um, what do you
0: do? When I was. Um, or what well, do you like your people to do when they?
1: Well, when when people well it's interesting because now I don't you know, I realized I realized at BBDO, like Lou Bars is really um you know, he really he really leads that place every mm-hmm. day, you know? Yeah. And I realized that he worked with Dan and I one way, and he may work with another ECD team another way. Mm-hmm. And you know, he didn't there was not like uh you submit your scripts to David, you know, in 12-point font or, you know, or Greg sees him on Tuesday and David sees- you know, like there wasn't yeah. Uh, so I realized that he worked with everyone a little bit informed by them. So my working style now is, uh, you know, everyone is a unique instrument and, uh, and you may play the instrument differently to get the music, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, some of the ECDs at Chiat want to come in early and we talk about the ideas on the table and, and, and we collaborate early and they want to steer and then, uh, and then, you know, some other people that are there, are like, they, their ambition is to handle their biz, mm-hmm. and we check in, and they show me what they're doing, and I try to just be there to support and, you know, and whatever, help out with some client management stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I have no—you know, I don't like to see ideas in any one form. I mean, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I might be—I'm afraid I could limit someone by, uh, right. by telling them, like, oh, no, I like bullets, or I like right. I like finished scripts, you know. I kind of yeah. want to— uh. Whatever they think their best their best output is, yeah. I think I feel like I could assess that,
0: and that was from uh, years of experience working with people. And, and I guess, just seeing yeah, or trying to,
1: yeah, know. trying to figure out how to, like, you know, maybe at one point I, maybe at one point in my career, I don't know, I probably was trying to figure out, like, you know, What's how uh, how Jamie Barrett likes to see stuff, how right. Jerry Graf likes to see stuff, and then I think at a certain point I just figured, like, how do I just have my best ideas. Because yeah. that's really what matters. So uh right. so maybe at a certain point I kind of dropped the format. And, and how did I, you have your best ideas? What was the what's the God, I don't know. Um anxiety, neuroses. <laughs> like seriously, like yeah. I, you know, like the biggest shift net from then to now is um as a writer, um, you know, like walking into the soda machine, I would panic because I should be thinking about this thing that I have a meeting for at one o'clock right. and I don't think I have anything great and and I would, like, you know, kind of angry concept on the way to a soda machine. Yeah. And that kind of, like, craziness was great for that because um, I was never satisfied with anything I came up with. And I was never done. And I also, when you're full of that kind of anxiety, you also can't really be discouraged because you're already you're already going. You're yeah. already spinning. Um, and now I think uh, it's the opposite. Now I kind of need to be total calm. Right. You know? Right. Uh, because uh, – because I need to burn off all that anxiety, um, because I'm kind of the person that should just make people feel okay about yeah, things and yeah. not and not and not freak out about stuff. Talk less, smile more is what, yeah. I, what I what I try to do is
0: uh, just mm-hmm. smile away. Nothing nothing wrong. And then, I, it it works you know. actually. I I
1: do think like it's always okay. Yeah. it's always okay. It's nothing only
0: advertising, has,
1: and and nothing has <laughs> ever gone even when I don't know. It always like I've really never I've just I've just never been burned bad enough to ever think that we, you know, sometimes you have an amazing script on day one and then there's just five weeks for it to get holes poked in it. Yeah. And sometimes you come up with the five minutes before the shoot and there's not time to overthink it or test it. There's, there's ways to win and there's infinite ways to win and lose Yeah. Uh, at all points of the game. So yeah. I just, so, so there's really no reason, you know. It's uh, uh, Scott Kaplan, uh, I
0: was working with him at BBDO for a mm-hmm. little while and, and he used to say, we just need more irons in the fire, Tommy.
1: That's, yeah, I think that's a philosophy. More at-bats. We that's just got to keep doing it. Throw and, it in there. And that's my philosophy at Shiat now is how many good things can we get cooking at any stage? But that's, yeah. I'm always, I mean, I think, I think I've got a lot of responsibilities to my leadership partners, to the whole creative department, mm-hmm. to everyone there. I mean, we're not that big of an agency. I feel like I kind of see everyone, yeah. but ultimately my responsibility is like how much good stuff can we do? Because that's, that's really like what. My job is, right. you know, so I think irons in the fire is everything. Yeah. But, 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 uh, but it's interesting because I had to completely drop my anxiety, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't, you can't. Be, anxiety got me all the way to this job be, and I can't have any anxiety. You can't be
0: angry concepting on the way anywhere. Cause it, when people walk by you in the hallway, they can't be like, whoa, he looks really
1: angry. No, you and, can't do that. And also, and also you can, I can't be rattled by, you know, a Nissan text when I'm walking into an Adidas meeting, you right. know, I can't. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I just won't be. Yeah, you know, so you just don't look at it. No, I look at it. I, I just don't get. I just don't get. Ang- I just don't get anxious anymore. That's amazing. It's
0: really weird. It, but not psychotropic drugs. This isn't. We're not talking about it, uh, some. Some exercise. Maybe
1: some. Oh, exercise. Exercise. What is your exercise routine? What I what wake. You? I wake up at five in the morning and I go. I do like um, not because I want to be good at sports or because I even want to look any sort of way, mm-hmm. but I go do a. I, so a while ago I tried. um, I'll back it up. I tried to meditate. Can't do it. I just, the, the, the noises and voices in my, I just can't be alone with myself for one Mm -hmm. minute. I just can't do it. And I think meditation is all about turning the volume down to zero. Yeah. And I realized that my best bet is for me to turn the volume to 11, which has the same effect when uh, either you hear nothing or if it's so deafening, you also hear nothing. Yeah. So I started doing a really like, um, aggressive, uh, Workout every morning at like a little boutique fitness place, uh-huh. um, and I I do that, and I'm like, whatever happens, like I did it this morning. Whatever happens today, I had like an existential crisis already trying to push like a 500 pound sled, you right. know, the length of a football field. Right. So I'm good. I burned off all my anxiety. Right. All this nervous energy. It's like I. it just like I magically. Somehow, like two years ago, kind of tried waking up early and working out. Right, and I just have, um, like, I just I'm just so calm. Yeah, and I used to not be calm at all. I find that running, I run,
0: and I and I do try to meditate. It's really hard, um, but that's part of it. Screw it's, it! Is uh, don't even do it. I, anymore. I think I, I think the running is a form of meditation. I think yeah. it uh, for me, it, there's a rhythmic uh, quality to it. There's a you can't really do anything else. Um, you have to just sort of uh, focus. So yeah. uh, there, there is something to that. That uh, the workout is a meditation. So you get up at five
1: a.m. You go uh, for an hour. What do you, what do you it's do? Like, a, like I go. I have to like because I'm 38. I have to go stretch and like, yeah. you know, like lay on a bunch of like lacrosse balls and like loosen yeah. up my shoulders and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then the workout itself is nose to tail like an hour, uh-huh. and it is absolutely impossible at any point in it to think about anything other than survival. Yeah. And then uh, and then a cold shower, and then I get to work, and I just, uh, I don't know, whatever. What time, what
0: time do you get to work? What time does uh I get to work
1: like about nine. Okay. So I kinda, I'm up early, and I'm up like, you know, uh, Rob Schwartz, our CEO, and Nancy, who's our president. Who's been in this room. Who's been in this very room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who I think he gives very good pie. He's also yeah, that someone that can, he's good on the mic. Yeah. Um, and Nancy, uh, the two of them, uh, I'm probably texting with them both before 7 a.m. every day. Okay. Uh, just because they both get up crazy early, right? I think Rob just gets up crazy early, and I don't know what he's writing, reading, yeah. getting ahead of the game. And then Nancy gets up really early and also works out and does her does her thing. Yeah. So we, um, so I kind of the work starts, but then for that hour, I'm like wiped clean, and then I'm just I come out like resurrected and reborn, and uh, and then I can just let the day just sell me. And I yeah. Can go all, and then by the time I leave, I don't really. You know if we're in a new business pitch or there's something really really crunching i'm I'm there late, but otherwise by six o'clock, I'm not really good to anyone at right. that point i yeah. I've kinda like I do I keep the phone away in meetings and I'm present, and I wanna kinda that's a really important thing too is it's yeah. so hard to do,
0: but putting the phone away um changes your life it does i it's, think it's uh, um
1: i think it's i mean I think it makes you far better at whatever you're doing mm-hmm. but I would also say catching up with your phone is pretty, is pretty painful because I'll be, you know, I'll be on the subway home, mm. like, you know, after eight hours of stuff, like, yeah. you know, the real, you know, I don't, we don't have a lot of like, we don't waste a lot of time I and mean, every meeting kind of has a real, yeah. it's driving business or creative or something forward. Yeah. And, um, and then you like, you see like nine texts and like ones from your high school friend being like. Check out this photo and you're like, yeah. there's probably a good chance I'm I'm just gonna that's just gonna <laughs> disappear and that person yeah. will think I'm I'm an ass. But yeah. like yeah. but it gets a little, you know. But yeah, the phone away when you're talking to people is great. It yeah. is really great. I feel like a lot a lot happens when you're uh, when your eyes are up. It still amazes me how many people don't
0: know that and they are in meetings or they're you know, it's it's incredible. Or at dinners with people that you know and they they've yeah. got their phone out and you're just like it's crazy. Except if someone's boring, then I'm like, then I want to look at my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and that's the that's the micro message that you get from it. Uh <laughs> that everybody gets from that. Um what uh I, I've worked at at, Chia, at New York. Uh that's I right. found that it yeah. was one of the hardest places to do good work at the time because it didn't feel like it was anywhere. It felt like it was sort of not quite the West Coast, not quite London at the time. Right. It was sort of that um what, but something changed when when Jerry got there especially um and uh and I feel like it's it's gotten much better uh w- what's the secret
1: what what do you well it's interesting cuz like in it was either 2007 or 2008 shy New York was the most awarded ad agency on the planet mm-hmm. the just New York. specifically the New York office oh, okay I did not know that um and then you know and all that, you know, incredible Master Food stuff and all the Jerry stuff and yeah. Scott and Ian um, yeah. really leading, like, all— of, and then all the people that worked there, like, are all onto really big things. Yeah. But I think it turned over, you know, a few years. It, there was a good run and there was some nice Jameson stuff. It, it, the agency did well for a bit. Yeah. But I think for the last, like, three years, it's not on the map creatively, you know. Okay. Um, there It'd been, you know, just, you know, I think, um, I don't know, figuring itself out, you yeah. know. Um so my boss Chris Garbett who's the the worldwide creative chief you know I think he'd been tending the garden a little bit but also very pulled into you know it's a it's a collective and it's a global thing and I yeah. think also kind of not able to really spend the time in New York that that he needed. Yeah. So um so ultimately when I came in it was really like a have, have a go at this thing you know right. I think there was, nothing was sacred there was you know we weren't there's no um shy away of working. There's no, uh, you know, work on the wall that we have to be beholden to. I I think it was really like, it was kind of like, like a restart, like a, like a, let's try to get this thing creatively back off the ground, you know? Um, so that, so it, it was kind of different. It's not so much even kind of coming into a culture, but kind of just kind of, um, trying to stimulate it and also kind of empower everyone to, like participate in it and, and make it because I think it was a little lacking in, in culture. Right. Um, a lot of talent, but I think we just hadn't figured out, you know, how the, to get some work out the, the door. The
0: space is o- almost overwhelming because it's, uh, you've got St. Patrick's Cathedral, which is uh, just there for you to sort yeah. of uh, see. Uh, you've got the the beautiful uh, architecture that uh, I think Jay Shiat uh Helped with and, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. and the doors and and the, the doors from the old office downtown where he started that virtual office, uh, but I always found it to be like almost intimidating how uh, right the, the staircase and the glass fish bowls and um but I, I did I did love my time there a lot of yeah. great people, uh and a lot of great people have gone through there a lot of people that have been on this show, uh have gone through there and talked about it. Uh, I Eric think Silver, in New York,
1: Ty Montague, um, yeah. So, in New York advertising, I think that it's 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 one of the storied ones and I really think um, you know, maybe this is like a little like poly, maybe I'm just being a little Pollyanna about this, but I also think because it's that brand where because so many giants have walked those halls, like I feel yeah. like people are pulling for us. Yeah. You know? Like I think yeah. I really do feel like people want, you know, shy at New York to be mm-hmm. a cool fun agency and I I think we're becoming it, you know. I think we're yeah. like I mean, I'm to a fault. I never think, you know, we're done. And I don't think anyone in this industry can ever think anything's done because now it's, you know, there's new creativity editor's picks every day. yes So even if you're yesterday's pick, how are you going to be tomorrow's, you know? So how are we going to, you know, how are we going to collect enough work that, you know, it'll feel like we're really back?
0: Yeah. And you're hiring a lot of great people now. Um, What is, uh, how do you hire people? How do you find people? Um,
1: Good question. I have a, we have um, our head of, uh, head of creative operations, Franny Rhodes, who's, you know, she's got books on books on books. Um, uh, but I don't, have a, I don't have a great, I don't have a great, like, probably I don't have, like, fixed interview questions or anything like that. Right. Um, I think that uh, I have figured out that um, when I showed up, I was, you know, things were very unknown. I didn't know a single creative in the department. All Which right. is hard to imagine in a department of like seventy people in Manhattan. Yeah. Like three blocks from BBD, I didn't know a single creative there. Yeah. Um, in the year before I showed up, I think the agency made eleven films, including Pharma. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was not a lot of work and the the department was unknown. And then the client list was also we had not, you know, produced for that many clients. Right. So I would really, I was like, you know, uh, you know, is it a, is it a creative department problem? Is it a client problem? Is it a process problem? Yeah. Um, And uh, very quickly i started, you know, working with the the teams directly and I discovered that the, um, that there was a lot of talent there um, and the clients were good. I think we just hadn't lined up. I think people were maybe, maybe, not listening so much to what not discovering the strike zone right. but rather kind of throwing like a lot of heaters and being mad you, you know that the client wasn't buying it sold. but but not you know focusing on the craft of like of making it something they just can't not have yeah um so i so i think like there's we we had tremendous talent and um and we had these clients that were like unlocking one by one by one i think by i think by october We'll have for every client on the roster like at least one piece I'm really proud of, yeah or I think it since may we've got nine different brands on creativity, so that's that feels great. good that's great, but um did you focus on that it was that your metric so i i've had yeah so i i um i i don't know if it's like a poor form to like give to to like lay out my blueprint, but yeah, I'll yeah. say that that phase one was um how do we how do we at least start to get back on the map creatively, and that I think is by Um, just trying to be interesting and pump out as many interesting pieces Mm -hmm. as we can. Yeah. Um, And we had the talent, and we had the opportunities, and we have a phenomenal— Shiat, as you probably remember, is, like, great with design. We have a phenomenal head of design. Yeah. So, you know, some work—we got some McDonald's work out that was design-led that was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I've just been trying to to convert as many things as possible. Uh, The Reuters shoes. The Reuters shoes is is phenomenal. I love love that. That's a great team on that, and that's like—and the client— is so happy with it, and especially because I gave a uh, like a talk to the agency about uh, about the creative work we've been doing. Because sh- we had, I think at the time I was showing some work in progress, but I showed twelve pieces, and they were twelve from like all different creative. Almost every senior creative has their hand on one of these things, so everyone is making. Everyone got, so- got everyone's something. Everyone's got something, and and there's a lot of merit in it. Yeah, and. You know, the, the my overall goal, and it's a Shia thing, is to locate and place brands in modern culture. And that's what I what I learned on Foot Locker, the mm. the or even on Guinness, the sheer joy of like amplification via BuzzFeed. And you yeah. know, there's we exist in a time where like if you're relevant and interesting, like there are so many people that are willing to retweet and pick up and yeah. Yeah, that there just wasn't like listen that a to long your time podcast. ago. Yeah. Next. Listen to your podcast. <laughs> uh um so so um so anyway, so the so the Thompson Reuters project, um Thomson Reuters is, is a very serious company and and yeah. and this was, you know, this was the the team they're worked. News so hard.
0: organization.
1: Which news is, organization, man. and they're very, you know, they don't want to do it. they don't want to make any missteps and do anything stupid. Mm-hmm. Um so the team really was, you know, staying one step ahead, being really smart about how everything was framed up, being really buttoned up. And I mean, you know, probably 15 people at the agency touched this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end we got the um thompson reuters foundation um on uh high snobiety and uh and and you're like you know if if any i so it's like i closed the meeting by saying if if anyone here like doesn't believe that these people in this room can place any brand in modern culture you know we got Thomson reuters yeah On high snobbiety. Yeah. So that's, that's an 11 out of 10 difficulty. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so like, so I believe, so I, so I think it's like, it's coming. I forgot where it was. I was, I had a place where I was going with this because the question was about talent.
0: Yeah. How do you find, how do you find, uh, the best talent? I discovered a lot there. I discovered a lot there. Yeah but I so knew there was, I was a lot there that wasn't being tapped and wasn't and tapped you, uh, or wasn't
1: maybe, you and know, you had to go
0: in and work with them individually and sit with them and concept and a little and bit look like at stuff. And yeah, I spent
1: time, I spent time with everybody. How long did that take the whole, like, um, so I came in in October and, um, and really October into January, I tried to uh, sit in on creative reviews on every brand a whole bunch of times. Right. Um, the thing I refuse to do and I, and I have not done is I have not, in uh, ten months, I have not once opened Microsoft Word. That's great. I've not so written. I've uh, not online. written one thing. Every single thing that all my Facebook friends are sick of me posting and all that stuff is other people's stuff. I yeah. am. I am the pure hype man. That's great. Um, but I, But it was. It was really just, honestly just very small stuff. It was, you know, let's not. Um, let's not obsess over this one detail when it's not, doesn't make the work any stronger and mm-hmm. that's what the client hates. Or yeah. if we could just frame this up as solving this, then there's a way. It was yeah. really just about- Finding the strike zone. Yeah. And I think what, it was, and, and I think that's, and I think that's good, just, you know, I think that's good, like, I guess, higher level creative direction is mm-hmm. just, um, I'm not, you know, I don't, we're not, we don't even sit in workshop, you know, jokes for hours. It's, you know i'm there to workshop how do we sell stuff and yeah. and you know yeah um, but okay so talent back to talent so we we have a lot i discovered a lot i'm not going to tell you any of their names cuz right. if anyone's listening i nope. i don't want anyone to know about them um <laughs> they're all mine
0: uh you see them ours. in the
1: award annuals no we're going to put no we're going to no, change everyone's no words. name everyone's okay. alan smithy that yeah. works on the work here um <laughs> I don't know when it comes down. I mean, look, there's just uh, we we have this EC, we we um, we were very fortunate to get a bunch of Nissan business um, or a bunch more tier. Well, we've been given some model launches, which is yeah. a big deal. Yeah, and that's you know it's been for Shiat. That's also you know L A had Nissan for a long time, yeah. so it's important. Um, so we have a phenomenal ECD on that. That's named Al Mary, and I'd never met him. Uh, and he came in through a recruiter, and I just looked at the website, and it was like all this. Great Nike stuff. stuff from Amsterdam yeah. and whatever, but I didn't know anything about them. But we got on a phone call and we just talked for an hour and it felt like five minutes. That's great. Uh, and so that's then, a good.
0: Uh, you, you can talk to somebody you feel like you know them. That's right. that's a good. Uh, and
1: the, the work is the is the is the is the entry. You know, it's right. if, if uh, the, work, the I, work, I don't has think to be good to get the conversation. Yeah, I wouldn't talk to anyone who I wasn't serious about. And then when you when you feel, you know, any connection, you know, um, yeah. we have uh, Amy Ferguson and Julia Newman mm-hmm. who were running JetBlue at Mullen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, I've known them for a long time. I've I've been watching their work and, you know, we had a really inspired dinner. And then after that, it was a no brainer. It was like, what, what do we got to do to get them in? You know, and how can we, uh, so, so I guess, I guess that's it. I think it's, you know, I can, I can look at a book pretty quickly and, um, we'll talk, I think we should talk actually a little bit about, about juniors, but, but I can look at a senior book and very quickly decide if number one, if, if, if I love the work, if I think. That, that is great. Number two, if I think it's it, it'll work at Shyatt because Shyatt's a particular kind of place, and we yeah. have certain kinds of clients. And there's like, you know, there's some great work that I just know. You know, if all your stuff is like crazy street art, you know, I love it, but I don't. I don't have that many Accentures. Maybe not buying that this year. Right, right, right. So there's that. But 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 then I think it really does come down to uh, energy. I think it comes down to um, there. I've worked with people that absorb energy. And can mm-hmm. literally suck it out of the really room. talented people that can take it out of a room. And if you can find a really talented person that fills a room with energy. Yeah. That's like you need that. So so it's really like loving the book, having a good conversation and seeing someone who I know is going to who's going to give to the agency. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the young creators we have, they're all giving. There's a lot of, you know, right now, because I think we're not like I think we're not we're not where we are yet. Like, I think we all want to be one of the more exciting agencies in New York. And I think we all believe in ourselves and each other, but we're not there yet. So we're at a point where, you know, if the person next to you is selling something, you're really, you know, we've not been treated to so much success lately that we're like, eh, whatever, it's okay. Where's mine? Like everyone is rallying around everyone's work. And I think everyone is taking a lot of collective pride in it. That's great. And that's really important. Now looking at, uh, so anyway, so books to me is great book. Uh, Obviously someone, you can spend time with and talk to you and then obviously energy like just energy. gotta be able to give yeah. and not that, uh, take. But then I, I do think the hardest thing is looking at, at really junior books because, um, I, I'm always dying to see something. I, I don't care if it's, if it ever sold, I don't care if it's a, a print ad or a, a whole idea for product. I just need to be shook by, it. I need to be freaked out by it. I need, I need like a slap in the face from a junior book because you're free, you're working freely. You're, you do not have to go through 20 rounds of a client. Like this is a lot of it is spec. And sometimes I wish I was getting punched in the face by these junior books more because I look at them sometimes and I'm like, oh man, you guys have six months in the industry or you've just been at ad school and this stuff is all fine. Yeah. It's all fine. And a client would like it. And I want you to show like, I can make, I know how to make the client like it and I know how to nicely tell you to make it how the client likes it, even if we when we lose a, a few. Uh, I don't like to say lose battles, but when we when we don't get where we want to get. Yeah. But uh, but I really want like some unbridled crazy, and you I don't that, see enough uh, of that.
0: You want that? uh The last thing the world needs is another bastard son of a bitch. Better, way better than
1: that. <laughs>
0: but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I want I mean, to see something. Something that, that just kind of like. You go yeah. like, that's, it's witty, but also uh, a little scary. I want to see something that, to that I I have to say to myself, like,
1: God, can I, can we sell that? Yeah. Can that, could, could we get that made? That's, and, uh, and, um and I really don't see enough of that. I just yeah. see like responsible people be, becoming responsible. And I, and I, and I wish, I wish they were like wilder. Get kids. wilder. Get wilder. Um, I've, I'm
0: conscious that we're running out of time. Okay. Um, sorry. What, uh, where should people uh find you and and send you those uh crazy uh ideas?
1: Uh yeah, I will take a crazy idea. I'd say email me, but I don't think I probably well, Who I probably, should they email. Um, you know, what? you could at, uh... you could um you could friend me on Facebook if cuz if you could spell my name, then then uh, I'll accept you. Yeah. I uh um cuz I'm, you know, I kind of be sharing work on there and and stuff like that. Great. Um and then uh, and then if you want to uh email Franny Rhodes, F-R-A-N-N-I-E dot r-h o D E S at T B W A com, your portfolio. Um, she usually sends me a digest of a whole bunch Because if you send it to me and there's a yeah. whole bunch of stuff going on. I might miss it, and then yeah. I'll like I'll hate myself for not reading your email. Right. And then by the time I do it, and I'll you'll be like hate in Chris, a pinch, and you'll, and you'll and be like, oh, Chris never
0: looked at my book. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I
1: don't want you to hate me. We don't so want that. so she'll like organize it in a digest, and I'll sit for like an hour with a coffee and look at books, and and like yeah, like punch me in the face, please. Punch Chris in the face, not literally, but yeah. uh, with your with your ads.
0: Thanks for coming in.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: So that was my chat with Chris Beresford Hill. What a guy. He was really nervous about not having enough to talk about, but I think we, uh, we had to actually cut it off at the end because we were, we were just going long. I learned a lot, and I hope you did too. This has been The A-List, brought to you by AdHouse Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate us and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, I hear, is, is a new way to do it. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhousenyc.com. And the A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post in New York City. Our engineer, Matt Stillo, and our producer, Casey Velogurski. Thanks, guys, and have a great day.